ready to know God more. You're, you're here today because you want to know God more, correct? Amen. Hey, Barry, could I have you get a little bit of, of uh, monitors up here for me just to help me out? Can you hear me out there okay? Okay, good, good. Thank you, Barry. I can hear that. It's perfect. Well, I am, uh, I'm glad to see everyone here. And I usually don't do this, but I'm going to give a shout out to my friend Trevor, who is a friend of mine over at Starbucks, and just say hi to him. If you're new today, don't worry, I won't, I won't call anybody else out, just my, my friends that uh, come visit me at work. I say all the time, hey, I visit you guys at work, why don't you come visit me at work? So that works out good. So thanks, Trevor, for being here. I mean, it's an honor to have you with us. Um, Man, we, I just want to give you a, a few things that are coming up in our church. Uh, one of the things is that the red cards, how many of you got a red card last week? If you were here last week, we talked about the green cards, which is the praise reports in our lives. We've got the yellow cards, which says, you know, I'm doing pretty good, but I'm not doing great, but I'm not doing terrible. And then you've got the red card that says, hey, I need to stop for a moment. I need to just t- pay attention to some areas of my life that need some focusing for spiritual strengthening. So we wrote on the red cards, and then we turned them in into the, the, the offering, and then we passed those out. I said, hey, for those of you who want to be a prayer partner with us, hold up a green card. We, we turned in those red cards and handed them to the green cards throughout the week. Your red cards have been prayed for. Somebody's been backing you spiritually. You don't know who they are. You don't know who you've been praying for, but God knows. And when we stand together, we are strengthened. And how many of you turned in a red card and got one exactly like yours, Right? And perhaps I've heard this more than uh, a few times this week. It's like, man, somebody's struggling with the same thing I am. Well, what that does, if you had that, you were able to pray with an identity of your own struggle. And you were able to pray with a different type of perspective that someone else may not have had if they weren't going through the same thing that you were going through. So God is lining up the details and causing us to come together and bearing one another's burdens. That's what that means. Can I just say this from the pulpit? Can we continue to do this, to just bear one another's burdens and just pray for one another? Because we are going to be a healthier, stronger church. I believe and I feel that God is strengthening us and he is preparing us for the next season of growth for our church. Which heads me into this next uh, well, I want to say praise report. God's been speaking into my heart for the last year in prayer. saying, I just feel, God, Lord, what are the right questions to ask? How many of you know you're not going to get the right, question, right answers if you don't ask the right questions? So the starting basis is, God, help us to have the right questions to ask so we know where the right answers are. Direct me, God. And it's been a year of just kind of seeking God. Lord, where are you? I've been, I've been uh, asking other pastors and advice and things like that and just praying and just kind of have, being mentored myself in the last uh, few months. Uh, God has just been revealing a flooding of answers through his spirit and through our team, our pastoral team. I'm so thankful for Johanna and Jed and Katie as we begin to discuss and talk about all the things that God is showing us. And we're moving as a team and we are creatively uh, motivated by the Holy Spirit sparking ideas about our uh, uh, who we are as a church, what God is creating in us, an identity and a culture That has shifted. There is a shift. You may not sense it yet, or you may have. I'm guessing that some of you probably already have. The past six years, we have been in a church planting mode. The next phase of our life, now that we have been planted, their community knows us, our, 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 our God has, has established us, we have a strong, healthy church. Thank you, Lord, for planting us here. We're, we're not going anywhere, Satan, so, you know, just give up on trying to attack us. We're here to stay. So now we have a different mindset of we are here to make the biggest impact. No longer are we just here to make a church plant. We are here to infuse the mission, the great commission to go into our community. All the world, your world, your family, your friends, your co-workers, the community out here is now our next mission. God has given us an increase without the strategic planning of saying, God, we want to make sure that we are taking care of every single person that comes into our church and every single person that lives lives in our world lord we want to do our best with what we have and now we have we are shifting a culture of reaching the lost you and i have the exact same mission and it's the great commission to go and preach the good news 
Preach the gospel. Make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are here to make a difference. We are here to be a salt. We salt. We are here to be a, a light, a city upon a hill. Let our church, let you be the light that's inside the city that shines forth. You have a mission. It's not just for pastors, preachers, and evangelists. It's for everyone who is a disciple. A disciple is anyone who says, Lord Jesus is my Savior, and I choose to follow him. You're a disciple if you've said that. And if, you're, if you have said that, you have something to do. And I believe in the value of what you are bringing into this church. The health of this church is dependent upon you. I could preach the greatest sermons. The worship team could, pre- could sing the greatest praise songs. But if we don't put that into action, we're going to be a dying church. The Great Commission is uh, a heavy, heavy emphasis on Jesus, and it's a heavy emphasis with us. So, in, in December 2nd, we're going to be launching our, fir- our FIT team, our First Impressions team. This is the tip of the iceberg. This is where we feel that we are going to be introducing the gospel at the first impression. When people come in, we want them to have a great impression of God. Not us, not a church. That's not where, we're fi- where they find salvation. It's only Jesus. But if we represent Jesus poorly, it's going to have a negative impact. We want to have a positive impact. Just like when you go in for an interview, some people are looking for a church as an interview. And they're interviewing Christ dependent upon the church. And the church is you and I. We have a responsibility to represent Christ in a proper manner. Welcoming, loving, caring. And we want to embrace every single person as Jesus would embrace. So that would be starting the parking. That would be starting the front doors. That would be starting with the greeters, the ushers, and all these things. Coffee team. There's a lot that we are going to be doing to welcome people and love them. Our target is to love people as christ would so in the in this service i'm asking because this is our larger service um, as we are moving uh in this direction you'll be hearing more of this uh language and culture in our church and you'll be seeing it demonstrating it um i'm asking you as a second service to um to give up some things this is our number one most attended service for visitors most of our visitors come to the second service. It's easy to come to this service. It's a good one, right? It's a good time to wake up. It's a good time to have church. It's not too early. It's not too late. This is, this is perfect. This is a problem. This is why we have so many visitors come. And I don't want to spend too much time on this, but this is very important. I'm asking for us, some of us here today, that can come to the first service, come to the first service. So what's happening is that we are still pulling chairs out in the second service. We shouldn't be doing that because we have available seats in the first service. And if we are pulling chairs out, that means we don't have any seats for visitors to come. And if there's no place for someone to sit, how can they hear the gospel? The whole point is that we are giving up what we have, right? All of us, all of us here who have Christ Jesus, you've got it. So when we have salvation, we have the gift. We give up some of our rights so that others who do not have that gift yet have a greater opportunity to hear the gospel that is life-changing. So by you coming and giving up some of those things that are comfortable to go into an uncomfortable place, which Jesus did all the time with his disciples, come to that uncomfortable place. And in that, you are providing a ministry opportunity for someone's life to be changed. And you may never know it, but God sees what you have given up for someone else to gain. You see how this is? So I'm asking that by, and you have some time to think about that. That's December 2nd. And this is not just an impact Sunday as a one. This is the start of a movement of emotion in our church that we are beginning to process things. And we are now going to be into an intentional, uh, a very intentional as Jesus and the disciples, as much as we can be the New, New Testament church and realize the fruit and the harvest in Utah is great. It is ripe for the picking. And there are people who are wanting and desiring who have not stepped in through their through those doors yet who are about to come they are on their way and they need a place to be so we are going to be that church and we are going to see god move in their lives and they don't even know it yet but god does and we want to do our best to facilitate god's spirit and presence and people uh, have uh, changed lives through him amen that was a little bit longer than what i wanted to do but it's really, 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 really good. And I'm excited for this next season. Amen. Can we just do something? Let's just exercise a thanks to God and just give him a round of applause and just saying, thank you, God. In fact, can I just, can I just, can we just 
I want to pray together just a prayer of thanks. That's it. Can we just do that for a few minutes or a few seconds? <laughs> minutes. God, we are here as a church, as a body, to just express our gratitude and thanks to you. Nothing that we have ever done constitutes the blessings that you've poured out upon this church. There is nothing in our efforts that is ever good enough. It's only your spirit that draws people into your presence. We ask for your continued blessing, your continued presence. And God, as people come in, that they will sense that and there will be an impact immediately as they step into this place. They will sense the power of your presence and your word and your love and comfort in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good things are happening. And that's really a, uh, what I just talked about is really a kind of not, not a good intro to where I'm headed to next with my sermon because I'm going into talking about mistakes. How many of you have made a mistake before? Well, as we headed into Joshua chapter, well, it's Joshua chapter 8, but we'll kind of look over at Joshua chapter 7. So if you've got your Bibles, turn there. We're, we're headed through the series of Joshua. It's fantastic. How many, we, we remember, we've seen last week that Joshua and the Israelites, they made a, a, a big blunder. Specifically, it was Achan um, who made a mistake and sinned blatantly against God and made a mistake. Now, all of us have made a mistake, right? Um, if I was to ask you what, what mistake you made, uh, you would say probably today or this week. You know, we, every day, you know, we kind of wake up and sometimes things just happen and intentions are good, but they turn out where you realize that that was a mistake. A few years ago, Joey just turned 16, um, and I can't believe it, right? It's just your kid's growing up, and it just is it's weird to think of my daughter at 16. I still think of her as a little, a little girl, and it's exciting to see her grow, but I also miss that little toddler girl. And I, when she was a baby, um, I, was, I was working construction. I'd come home. I was real tired. And one time, Katie needed to go to the store, and I think it was primarily she had been home with the baby. She just needed, needed a break, right, moms? Dad, I'm coming home from, um, from work. I'm tired. I need a break. But we, we, she leaves, goes to the store. I, I'm like, I'll take care of Joey. And she said, don't just sleep. Make sure you take care of her. I'm not going to sleep. I'm a good father. I'll take care of her. She's, she's real young. And don't call the cops on me. But I was, had her in my arms, and I, I was just kind of rocking her. And, and she, was, she fell asleep. And, if you, and I hold babies now, and if they're asleep, it kind of makes me drowsy. Right? It's just... Wow, I wish I could sleep like that. Maybe, maybe I'll try, you know. So she's gone. I lay on the couch, and I'm holding her like this. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to fall asleep. I'm not going to fall asleep. Well, I close my eyes. I'm just, I'm just going to close my eyes. Well, you know what's going to happen, right? I, I end up falling asleep, not realizing that I fell asleep, but she opened the door as she came home a few minutes later and it startled me. And I, was, I went to sleep so worried that I would fall asleep that I stood up so fast Joey goes rolling <laughs> across the floor. Katie freaks out and says, what are you doing? I'm like, what? I'm not sleeping. <laughs> she rushes over to Joey, picks her up, and she's still asleep. <laughs> I made a mistake. I fell asleep while I was uh, watching my daughter. Sorry, that's uh, not good. But we all make mistakes, don't we? And uh, miss mistakes... You know, they're, if we learn from them, they can be good. You know, it, we're, we're human. We're going to make errors. But if we learn from our mistakes, man, they, they can really be part of the greatest success stories that we have. It's the greatest teaching tool that really I think God has used us if we allow ourselves to learn from those errors, those faults, those blunders, and, and, and take a moment to pause and think, okay, I can change. I can do something different, right? And God will bring a success story from our mistakes. And this is where, where we're headed to in Joshua chapter 7, verse 8. But there's a few quotes I want to read to you, and some of these people you might know. Phyllis Thoreau, she said this about mistakes. Mistakes are usually the bridge between inexperience and wisdom, which is true. Mistakes are always forgivable if one has the courage to admit them. Bruce Lee said that. And I like this one. I make mistakes growing up. I'm not perfect. I'm not a robot. Justin Bieber. <laughs> Words of wisdom right there. Whoever thought that I'd be quoting Justin Bieber in 
reference to Joshua chapter 8. Okay, so I'm going to use some high-tech technology today. Uh, and if you, if you remember this type of technology, maybe your school, yep, look at this. This is a old-school touchscreen. It's pretty amazing. You, you, you just write on there what you want, and then if you don't like it, you can just erase it like that. It's pretty, pretty nice. So um, sometimes, ooh, all right, we're going to head into a battle of Joshua. Sometimes the Bible can be a little bit confusing with the battles of where things are happening and the layout and towns and cities and what's exactly going on. So today we're going to cover over just a little bit of the Battle of I. Last week... Let's turn that down just a little bit. It's going to get epic. So so sometimes it can be a little confusing of what's actually happening. Joshua chapter 7 and 8. Um, I'm going to kind of lay this out so we can see what is that exactly that's happening. And hopefully you can read this and see this. I'm going to move this just a little bit. Now Joshua, the commander of the Israelite army. He's done some amazing things. Moses has passed away. They are leading the Israelites, which is about three million strong. They passed over through the Jordan River. You've got the Sea of Galilee, and it flows all the way down to the Dead Sea, the lowest point of the earth. God stops the Jordan River, the flow, at a place called Adam. We see that God rescued us and saved us from the curse of Adam, death and destruction, and allowed a pathway into the promised land, which is where the Canaanites are living. It's the enemy that has encamped itself in the territory that God had promised for you to live. There are promises, there are blessings that are for you to hold, but we have allowed and we have given those areas up for Satan to live and to thrive, and we need to push him out. As they cross the Jordan River, I'm going to use black. There's a couple things that God does. First thing, he, they cross through the Israelites. They make their way up to Gilgal. Gilgal, God says, I want you to cons- consecrate yourself. I want you to sanctify yourself. I want you to prepare yourself because battle's on its way. And I hope that we can state this or say this about ourselves, that we're preparing ourselves for the next battle, not just waiting for it to happen. Prepare yourselves. And they got circumcised there, which was cool, but it hurt a lot. I'm sorry, that's a knife. That's a knife. I just won't even do pictures there. Let's just do that. Use your imagination. Gilgal. God prepared them there. God moves them into battle. And they begin limping along over here to Jericho. God delivers them supernaturally at Jericho. And Jericho becomes up in flames and burned and they take over this city. And that is the, the, the promise of God that he is going to destroy the enemy where it doesn't belong in your life. And it's nothing by their strength, through their praise and through their power of their thanksgiving and who God is. They give the battle and the, and the victory is the Lord's. In your life, there are things that are standing in your way that are impossible, like the walls of Jericho, that are impenetrable. But with God and His Spirit, He will bring into destruction the things that are supposed to destroy you. There is no way that God will allow you to lose when it's one with His Spirit. 100% of this was God's victory. There's a man named Achan who was part of this clan, the Israelites. God had specifically said, I don't want you guys to take anything from this city. This is going to be used for the Lord's treasury to build the temple. This is the Lord's. So they're from Gilgal. He tells them here, you're about to go into battle. Don't do this. I've proven myself to you here in my word. You obey me here. I'm going to cross. You're going to cross over into the promised land. When you come over here, you're going to defeat Jericho. They defeated Jericho. They saw the power. They saw what God's words were saying. It was, it was true. It was a miraculous thing that Achan saw. He was held at a higher standard because if God speaks from a burning bush to you, right, there is an evidence and a proof that God has spoken to you, and you have a greater responsibility of faith in that atmosphere than someone else who does not believe, right, or does not seem. So Achan saw so the, the undeniable 
power of God. Irrefutable provision of God. Victory through the power of God. But Achan decides to take some of the victory and the profits of, and the, from God for himself. He coveted, he saw what he liked, and he took it away. He stole it, he robbed God of it. He blatantly sinned, and without Joshua knowing, Joshua sent from Jericho. There was three men, they, 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 or they spied out I, and they said, this town is pretty small, you don't need all of your army. There was about 30,000 of the best fighting men. Only take two or 3,000. That's a 10% of your army. Underestimating the enemy is one of the worst things that you can do. The smallest things in your life will be the ones that will destroy you the most if unchecked. Because our defenses are back. So they send 3,000 up here to this insignificant battle of I. And they were going to wipe them out in their own eyes. They can do it on their own strength. They don't need God. They got this. It's going to be easy peasy. But all of a sudden, I takes out 36 men. So now these 36 men, the blood is on the head of Achan. That's why the punishment was so bad or so big for Achan. Because if it wasn't for Achan, these 36 men would have lived. So now there's this punishment of sin and there was there was death that has happened because of that. That's why there was that punishment of death for Achan. So they lost here and they retreated back to Jericho. They repented. They said, God, forgive us, Lord. We want to follow after you. Please go before us. We have sinned against you. God, go before us. So all of a sudden now there's a new plan, a new strategy of overtaking the enemy. The enemy is I. They're set up in the wrong camp. So what happens is they take 30,000 of the best fighting men. There's 30,000. 30K, and hopefully you can see this, starting out with. Joshua takes 5,000 of his men. And they come over through the mountain pass, hidden, and up right here. And there's 5,000 Men waiting in ambush. The city of Ai has no idea that they're here. They are hidden and they are laying ready and prepared, prepared to attack the enemy when he's most vulnerable. The, the 25,000 now come over through the valley to meet Ai just like they did before. And there's 25,000 here. Ai sees that. And they begin a little bit of a conflict. And their plan is that they will have this 25,000 retreat and lure all the fighting men out. And so they do that. The 25,000 start moving this way. And it draws the town or the city, the fighting men, everyone who's in there out and away from this town. Now they're running. The Israelites are running towards this way. All while knowing that there's an ambush ready to happen. I pursues them here. As, as soon as I is all of the men, all the fighting people are gone. This town is now set afire by the 5,000 waiting for all of them to leave. And this has been taken over. Now this has been conquered. The people of I, the fighting men of I, see the smoke coming from here. And now they'd have no place to go back. And these people here, the 25,000, sorry, that should say 25,000, but you get it. Turn and fight on them here. And the 5,000 that have conquered here, turn and meet them in the middle. And there is a huge battle. And the victory is through God's power. And the Israelites have conquered the enemy. This is... What Joshua chapter 7 and Joshua chapter 8 is all about. Now, where we find our spiritual truths is hidden in the plan and the attack of the enemy. Against the enemy. So here we go. Are you ready? The first thing that they had to win was their feelings, the emotions, and the spiritual drain of being defeated. Have you felt defeated before? You felt like you've just, you, you thought you could win something spiritually, but you did it on your own strength and you just 
robbed God of his power by doing it on your own, and now you've been defeated, and you feel like you just can't do another battle? That's where the Israelites were at. But in this story, we begin to see that God is a God of second chances. A second chance in your life it spells out the grace and the forgiveness of God. And there's three things that I want to point out that Joshua says to us in learning how to overcome defeat because we've all made mistakes and we certainly have all failed God one time or another. And it's important for us to know that you living in that arena of defeat is not what God has for you in your future. Yeah, there's a battle and there's a fight that's in front of you, but he has got a victory planned in front of you. And you're not to stay right there at your last victory hiding in defeat. Because the battle that's in front of you, you have already lost. God wants to give you that second chance, and he is giving you that second chance. The question is, are we willing to take that second chance with confidence? And I want to start with Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. And I want us to look at this. We've already seen the story, but here's right at the beginning some tools that you and I can use to overcoming defeat. Then the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Does that sound familiar? Joshua 1, 9. Take the whole army with you, the whole army, and go up and attack I, for I have delivered you, delivered into your hands the king of I, his people, his city, and his land. You shall do to I as, as, and its king as you did to Jericho and its king, except that you may carry off the plunder and livestock for yourselves, set up an ambush behind the city, which is exactly what they did. Three principles for us to overcoming defeat. If you have, feel like you have been defeated and you have lost some, some righteous fervor to attack the enemy, right? Some of us are just on defensive mode. We need to get into that mode of we're going to attack that, that demon, that devil who stands in front, of, in front of us. So to have the power and the confidence through the Spirit, there's three things that we've got to remember today. Number one, we need to remember that God's strength will return. If you feel that you've been just living in defeat and you, you're not sure of where God's strength, it will return if we admit that we need Him. God's strength and power comes when we ask for Him to forgive us of our sins and He will forgive us 100% of the time. The devil loves to whisper in your ear right after personal failure. The first thing that will happen, whisper in your ear, and it only takes a little whisper for you to start hearing that and beating yourself up. And then Satan can just leave you alone because you're going to beat yourself up pretty good. You messed up again. How how can you say that you love God if you keep failing? How, How can God ever use you after defeat? It's the moment that you are defenseless, susceptible to breach, and doubt settles into the land of promise. And now Satan is feeding your soul a plate of apathy and you're hungry for it. So instead of desiring the, 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 the power and the spirit of God and feeding yourself on the word of God, it's almost as if you don't want anything to do with spiritual things because it just doesn't feel good. Reading your word, oh, that doesn't feel good because I've sinned against God. Satan will try And use that feeling of guilt and shame and hover that over you. And we feed on that. And it distracts us from feeding on God's word. Living in spiritual defeat is your worst enemy. Because we can thrive off of that. And we begin to play into the, who am I? Not as in a confidence thing of who is God, but who am I? I am nothing. And God says you have everything. It robs you of your confidence when we live in the area of defeat. It takes away your hope and it steals your joy. And too many people have settled living in that area.
things that we need to do, reading in Joshua chapter 7, is we need to put to death the things of the flesh. Live in the spiritual. Live by the Spirit. Put away the things that are selfish desires and give the, over to the desires of God. But God specifically reminded Joshua one important attribute and one important thing, not of what maybe Joshua felt, but I think it's a reminder of how he should feel based upon not what Joshua's record is or the Israelites' record, but the record of God. Do not be afraid. Reminded them, do not be afraid. If you're here today, I, God is saying, I do not want you to be afraid any longer. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For God is with you. Do not be afraid. Some of us are afraid of the fight. Some of us are afraid of the battle. I don't even want to go there because I feel too weak. Don't be afraid. Let me just tell you a secret. You are too weak. We're too weak to battle these on our own. That's why we need God to do it for us. And if we have a confidence in ourselves, we're going to lose. We need to have a different type of confidence. That's a God confidence. A confidence knowing that, hey, if I'm doing this on my own, it's not going to work. But if I do this with God's strength, He is going to sustain me, and the devil is going to flee. What this does for us in this battle, in the second chances, is, is thank God that He doesn't withhold His blessings from us permanently. When we fall, we fail, He reinstates us through His grace and His forgiveness. When we ask for forgiveness, God is faithful and He is just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He replenishes us with a full restoring power and strength and confidence. And when God gives you the power of His grace, the power of His forgiveness, it is never in partiality. It is in full. He will forgive us. And so when we are going through battles and we find ourselves in defeat, we can rest assured and have a greater confidence that He will restore us as if we had never sinned through Jesus Christ and His sacrifice. So if you're facing defeat today, remember that God wants and desires to restore you through the power of His grace and His forgiveness. Number two, the thing that we can learn is that we need to be fighting battles differently. If we are going through battles and we are fighting the same way over and over again, we are going to have the same outcome again and again. We need to fight battles differently. And let me just say, fighting a battle by just saying, I'm not going to do that again, is not a good plan. We need to fight in a way that is using the sword. Pick up that sword. It is an attack towards the enemy. The power is in the Word of God. Not just the Word of God, but it's through us putting it into action. When God says for us to do something, the battle's only won if we put it into action in our lives. If He says, have faith in Him and trust in Him and lean in Him, if we don't do that, we're going to lose. Put into action things that are different than what we had done before. See, what was different? They took 10% of their men before. Now he says, take the whole army and go up and attack I. Attack with everything that you've got. And God says, I want you to love, love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Not with 10% of your mind, 10% of your heart, 10% of your soul and strength. It's 100%. 100%. We give it to him. That's how we fight the battles. And when you give 100% to God, and you don't give 10% to the enemy to come in, you give 100%, Satan can't come in. There's no victory. Even through all the troubles and trials that are promised through Jesus, through those troubles and trials, there's no victory from, through Satan. Satan cannot defeat you when you have the Spirit of God with you. And the Spirit of God is what wins the battles in your life. The primary cause of defeat at I was Achan's sin. It's no getting, there's no getting around that. That's sin. That's the, that's the failure that happened. But a contributing factor was underestimating the enemy and overstating 
themselves, underestimating the enemy and overstating themselves. This is one of the biggest areas that we can fall into a um, spiritual defeat is after a great victory is thinking that you've got this from now on. And you don't need as much of God's strength as you did in Jericho because, hey, now now you're confident, now you've got this and it's okay. You can defeat anything after Jericho. Even the small things won't matter. But that's incorrect. The small things, you need to have built up forces, spiritual armor built up in your life to protect you. And all battles are lost. I'll say that again. All battles are lost when we make the mistake of self-reliance. All battles are lost when we make the self make the assumption that we've got this, that, the, that we have self-reliance, we can do this by ourselves. In 1961, Chant Muhammad Ali was preparing to fight Joe Frazier, and he said this, quote, There's not a man alive that can whip me. I'm too smart. I'm the greatest. I'm the king. I ought to be a postage stamp. It's the only way I'll ever get licked. The next night, Frazier beat him senseless. How often do we get in trouble because we make the same mistake twice of and thinking that we've got this on our own strength. And Joshua and the Israelites, when they went to fight the, the city of Ai, the first time they didn't consult God, they didn't pray, they didn't ask God. They used what they saw. They determined of what would it, it would take for them to win. And God was left out of the equation on that. When we leave God out of the equation, then the only result will be defeat. They thought they could overcome such a small task as I, but without God, even the smallest task can become overwhelming. And to win, the Israelites needed to shed off their self-confidence and put on a God-confidence. They needed to shed off the self-righteousness and put on His righteousness. Remove the presumptions and be prepared with readiness. Are you ready for the next battle that's on the way? Are you fearful? Are you confident? And if you've recently experienced defeat, don't try to combat it the same way or else you will lose. It's just a straight, it, it will, won't happen the way that you are thinking it will happen. You've got to be prepared and fight differently. Number three, this is probably the most important aspect of overcoming defeat. And it's an understanding and a realization that God will return you to the place of defeat. Where you experienced it last is where God will bring you back to that place the last thing that god wants for you to be fresh in your mind is where you failed is where the enemy took control is where you experienced loss where you experienced defeat because that will rob you of the confidence and god will not have you move to another battle before having rescued you out of your last defeat if that is left unchecked unchecked and you try and battle the next thing in your life without having overcome this, you will carry that defeat into your next battle. And you can't win a battle if you're already feeling like you're defeated. The confidence isn't there. The joy isn't there. The reassurance, the faith isn't there. God wants you to overcome, and He wants to overcome that and create a new memory, not of failure, but of victory. So that you can continue to move in victory in your life from one battle to the next. And some of us have defeat, defeat, defeat. And we need to go back to those areas and let God conquer those in our past. And he will strengthen you and he will give you a new foundation of faith and trust in him. The scary thing is going back to that place. But God wants to bring you and he will bring you to that place. And if you have been going back to that place over and over and over again, God wants to redefine where you are at and win those battles for you. The question is, are we allowing God to defeat the enemy or are we still trying to do it on our own strength? God wants to repair, he wants to rebuild, and he wants to repurpose your past. How many of you know that when God has given you victory over something in your past, it has become a building block for your testimony. And the next battle that you face, you see it with a new lens and say, bring it on because I'm ready for a greater testimony in Christ. He will use the battles 
that are standing in front of you, those walls of Jericho, the cities of Ai, the big and the small battles. And he will use that not to bring fear or confusion or doubt. He has plans for your future. He has planned promise and to bless you. And through those battles, Satan may mean them for evil, but God will turn those battles for good every time. And every time you will look at those battles that with victory, with a different lens than those battles that are, that are filled with defeat. He wants to change that in you to strengthen you, to sharpen you, and to move you into a greater fighting force. Not just being on the defensive, but being on the offensive and attacking Satan and pushing him back. He has no room to live in the promises that God has for you. The promise of peace, the promise of joy, the promise of love, the the promise of patience, the promise of kindness. Those are the areas that God has gifted you in. And we cannot allow Satan to rob us of those things that that God is giving us through the gifts of his spirit. God is empowering you and I to move forward in our future with a greater strength and promise through defeating the things and overcoming defeat in our past. Some of us today are living and have lived too long with a recent memory that was too long ago of a defeat. And we are carrying that with us. God wants to cut that off and he wants to remove you from that area of defeat by conquering it today. There's no waiting for tomorrow. Today is the day to stop Satan's attacks of defeat in your life and realize and proclaim the victory in Jesus Christ. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in his word. There is power in you. Through his spirit. We believe in the supernatural power of God. It is supernatural. It is outside of the natural. So the things that we are fighting on the, on, in the natural. God wants to change that. And do something different with you in your life. And change supernatural things in your life. And supercharge you with his faith. And his confidence. And his trust. I want us to stand together. And I want to pray for those who have wrestled with defeat. Let's just say it simply. Wrestled with defeat. They feel like they're overwhelmed instead of an overcomer. They feel doubt instead of faith. They feel insecurity instead of trust. You're feeling left alone instead of God with you. And maybe there's one certain area of your life that you're ready, God, and you've been asking God, take that. Out of my life. Out of my past. I don't want to carry it in my future any longer. God does want to heal you. And maybe it's hard to even articulate or think that. Because it's been too long. It's been so long. It's just been almost been a part of your identity. And living with that. It's robbed you of the confidence that you know you want to have desire. God wants to take that from you today. Can we just believe in faith that God's going to change lives today? We're going to battle some, some spiritual things that need to be dealt with today. God's going to release people through the power of the name of Jesus. So I'm going to ask if there's people here who would commit and just say, I'm ready for God's power to change my life and to give me a new confidence over the areas that have, that have robbed me. I'm ready to move past that, have greater victory in my life. I'm going to ask you to do something scary. We do this from time to time. Simply, it's just coming out from where your seat is and just standing in front, and you're just making that movement towards the front, and we're going to pray together. What that does 
is it, it allows the physical body to catch up with what you're sensing spiritually. It's a physical act of obedience in marching towards the enemy line. And we just say that this is a type of altar. And the altar is where we place our hearts before God. And we say, God, here I am. You take this. And I'm giving this over to you. And I'm asking for a supernatural work in my life. If this is you and you're ready for, some, for God to conquer some things in your life, you're ready to give that over to him. You're ready for that greater confidence. I'm going to ask you to step out at this time and just make that move towards God up front. We're going to pray together. That's all we're going to do. We'll pray in faith. Yeah. It's a healthy place to be. I'm going to ask, um, as you're still coming forward, I'm going to ask for some prayer partners. Katie, would you mind helping me? Jay, would you mind helping me? Maybe Dave and Pam and Kelly and Sherry. And just come over here and just pray. We're going to have some people pray with you, alongside you. And we're not alone. We're in this together. And we're battling, we're fighting together. And God sees you and he sees a victory that's in front of you. So what we're going to do is we're going to verbalize out loud. We're just going to pray out loud together and give the victory over to God. So we're going to just take the model that's that we've we've seen in Joshua chapter seven and eight. Ask God to forgive us. Ask him to come restore unto us those things that we know empower us. And that's his spirit, a greater sense and power of his spirit inside of us that's the holy spirit that moves us and teaches us and leads us getting strengthens us and helps us and then we're going to pray together a prayer of victory and as a prayer partners if i can just have you guys just pray individually how you feel led now god is just leading you to pray and, and one or two or three people and, and katie's just going through with anointing oil we believe that, that god's anointing is a real thing and this is a this is just a symbolic evidence that he is placing his anointing over your spiritual soul and strengthening you at this time. That's what we are doing. And those of you who are out there, surely you can identify with every single person that's up here. And as a church body, we are standing behind them and we're just going to pray. And what I want you to do is if you see someone up here, just focus your prayer on one person. Just see them. Let God just kind of bounce your eyes and just, just hover on one person and begin to pray. However you want to pray, inside your head or your heart, you can pray out loud, however you like. But they need your prayers right now. So I'm going to ask that you repeat after me, and you are praying a prayer of faith to God and victory over Satan. Heavenly Father, Let's say it one more time. We're going to say this. We're going to declare this is life change. Heavenly Father. Forgive me. For taking control in my life. I give my life to you. Every area. I surrender. I will no longer. Harbor. My own strength. But release into your strength. God, I need victory. God, give me your spirit. Empower me. Use me to defeat the enemy. I am not crushed. I am victorious by the blood of Jesus. Satan, get away. Get behind me and flee. Because Jesus Christ has won. I take refuge in your saving grace and your forgiveness, O oh God, through your Son, 
Jesus Christ on the cross and resurrection, I have power and authority and control in Jesus' name. We say together, Amen. 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 Before we're we're done, I'm going to pray over you real quick. And then we're going to be released. God, you see every single person. Jesus, I ask that you will place your presence of peace in the name of Jesus, God. Peace and rest, God, that you will speak over their hearts. You see the things that has been causing them turmoil and trouble. Lord God, you redefine, Lord God, where they're at right now. Redefine their words, redefine their thoughts, redefine their heart, their attitude, everything that is there inside of them, God, that you will speak a new powerful presence, God, that has never yet been experienced. But because of your spirit promoting your love, joy, and peace will be saturating their soul in the name of Jesus, a new vision, a new heart, a new understanding of who they are. In Jesus' name, and what they are called to be, mighty warriors in Christ Jesus, who are not weak, who are not prone to temptation or falling or failure, but are warriors ready to battle with victory. In Jesus' name, we declare the victory. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a round of applause. God is doing His work, and it's only through His Spirit that life change really happens. There is a confidence, there is a strengthening that is happening inside of our church now, today, that's going to carry through to next week, and the months to come. I am looking for us here today to continue to be strengthened in the Word of God, and through the prayers of one another, bearing one another's burdens. You are now victorious, now you can go out, and you don't have to fear or be discouraged about what the enemy is is coming to attack be prepared for that next battle when it comes you just say in the name of jesus get away from me satan you have no power in your mind no power in your spirit do not give him any control or influence he has no reason in your life to spread any more lies any more destruction it's gone it's obliterated by the faith of the blood of the lamb you have been made whole you've been made new you have received the righteousness of Jesus Christ not self righteousness not not self confidence but god confidence in Christ Jesus that is where you have your firm foundation Plant your feet on the foundation of the word of God. He will plant you by the streams of living water. He will begin to overflow inside of you. A spirit that is renewing and rejuvenating you. And every time you wake up in the morning, there will be thankfulness and praise on your lips that will guard you and protect you. In the name of Jesus, he will quicken and remind you of how good he is. And Satan will come in and try and distract you of that. And you just shout a praise to God. Whenever you feel discouraged or dismayed, you just remember the battles that have been won in Christ Jesus and it will motivate you and move you to victory in the future and it's nothing that you've done but everything in Christ Jesus that is doing for you in Jesus name you have confidence and victory amen go live it and be what Christ has, has saved you from God bless you you are dismissed we will see you next week Live in the freedom.